I want to go back, and before we dive into our couple of cults that we're looking at this evening, do a little bit of review from stuff. Actually, I need to pause. Does anybody need one of the outlines? Did everybody get one? All right, I think we're in good shape. Um, why is this study important? So we can know what we believe better. What else? Know how to give an answer to the people who may ask us questions about what we believe. Any other thoughts? You know, we live in a time when we are bombarded with the religious or with various religious beliefs. Um, if you watch the news for a week, you're going to be presented with several different religions or several, several different belief systems. Um, if you watch TV at all, other than the news, you're going to see other belief systems and other religions presented. If you listen to popular culture actress, actors and actresses, they're going to talk about their religious beliefs. Um, in fact, one of the ones we're talking about tonight, Christian Science and Scientology, there are some famous actors and actresses that ascribe to those belief systems. Um, and so if you are at all paying attention, you are going to see and hear about all different kinds of belief systems. We're also living in a time not only where we are presented with and see different belief systems and world religions and different cults, but we're also living in a time where as we are seeing all of that, there is a pressure to be accepting of all of that. I mean, would you all agree with that? That there's a pressure to say, you know what, if you want to believe what you want to believe and you want to believe what you want to believe, that's fine. Just let me believe what I want to believe. And it's really this idea of we're all going to get to heaven in our own way and all religions lead to God and all belief systems lead to God. And so you can believe in what you want to believe in and that's fine. The problem comes in when we begin saying that Jesus is the only way. I mean, that's really where the rub comes in, right? I mean, you have all these other belief systems, and they think they're right, but, and they don't have a problem with you going to church, and they don't have a problem with what you say you do, most of them anyway. But when you begin saying, you know what I believe? I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through Him. That starts to cause problems. So how do we respond when we are pressured to be accepting of other religions and other belief systems that we know to be wrong? How do we respond to that? How should we respond? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you have the right to be wrong. All right. Two people say the exact same thing pretty much the exact same time. Love and truth. Love and truth. You know what? If you are not willing to share truth, then you are really not loving. Love and truth can never be separated. Love and truth can never be separated. At the moment you stop telling the truth, you cease to be loving. And talking about kind of what we're talking about this evening. If You say, what do you mean? Well, if someone is holding to a different belief system, a different world religion, let's say, and we know that to be in error, what's the most loving thing to do? Yeah, show them. I mean, obviously we demonstrate love, but the worst thing we could do is to be silent. Why? Because what will their error lead to? Eternal 
eternal hell, right? So if I truly love, the thing I do is speak truth. Now, obviously, we understand there is a loving way to speak truth and there is a hateful way to speak truth. You ever seen somebody say something that's technically right, but they're very hateful about it? All right. Um, she said her four, when her daughter was 14, she walked up to somebody and said, you're going to hell. Well, might that be truthful? Could there be a better way of maybe sharing that information? All right, so we understand that there's a right way to share truth. We want love, but we cannot get away from truth. We've mentioned, again, uh, again, I'm just reviewing some of the stuff from the very first week. We defined the word cult. We said a cult is a system of religious beliefs or rituals. It's used today many times as a, uh, to, to refer to a, any religious group that is viewed as strange or dangerous. But the way that we're using this term is that a cult is a counterfeit or a system of beliefs that is different from the core teachings of Scripture. So what are we using as our foundation? Scripture, all right? Scripture. What are we comparing everything else to? Scripture, right? That is our authority, and that always has to be our authority. That is where we go, all right? So now that we understand that, the two religions or belief systems that we're looking at tonight are oftentimes confused. They are Christian science and Scientology, all right? Christian science and Scientology. How many of you have heard of these? Wow, almost all of you. How many of you have heard of them before I mentioned them last week? All right. How many of you know any, what, what do you know about Christian science or Scientology? Nothing. You've heard of them. All right. Yes. All right. Once you're in it, it's hard to get out. All right. You've heard of people that belong to it? Okay. Okay. Um, one of the things, well, Let's just go through this. I think it's probably the best way to, to gain an understanding of this. And the reason why I'm going through this is because there are many politicians, um, celebrities that ascribe to Christian science and Scientology. And so if you watch talk shows, I don't even know what talk, it used to be Oprah. Um, but if you watch talk shows and they interview these people, you're going to hear these two mentioned a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get out of, and the stories from people who have got out of it is very, very interesting. Um, but you, I mean, John Travolta holds to one of these. Um, Tom Cruise holds to one of these. And you, I mean, we could go on and on talking about the people that hold to some of these, but let, let's dive in. Introduction to Christian science. All right, introduction to Christian science. Here's A. Christian science was founded in 1879 by Mary Baker Eddy, who grew up in a Christian family. All right, Mary Baker Eddy grew up in a Christian family. What should this warn us? What, what, what should, how should this warn us? Just because you grew up in a Christian family is no guarantee that you're going to be a Christian. Right? Just because you, I mean, 
just because you grew up in a Christian family, that, that's no guarantee that you are going to ascribe to that belief system that you're going to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So you have this individual, Mary Baker, Mary Baker Eddy, who grew up in a Christian family, and I'm assuming, I haven't researched it, but I'm assuming what that means is that her parents both believed in God, believed in Jesus. I'm assuming that they at least occasionally went to church. I'm assuming that she at least occasionally heard truth. But again, that's no guarantee right? It's an individual heart decision, all right? B, their headquarters are located in Boston, Massachusetts. Aren't you glad I didn't make you spell out Massachusetts or however you're supposed to say it? All right, in Boston. Three, they have around, on the screen it says 2,300 churches. I read a stat today that says that has increased to 3,000. So put 3,000 down. They have around 3,000 churches in 70 countries and somewhere between 16 and 1,700 in the United States. Originally when I was typing this several weeks ago, it was 1,600. But again, today I read something that said it was closer to 1,700, which makes me think what? There's growth taking place, Right. So it's gone from 2,300 to 3,070 countries, 1,600 to 1,700 um, gatherings is sometimes what they call them in the United States. So it, it, it's the idea that it's somewhat growing. All right, D, Eddie was involved, after she left home, Eddie was involved in various forms of occultism, including spiritism. All right, so this is some of the backdrop, Christian home, occultism, spiritism, all of this kind of together leads to the founding of Christian science. I see a hand somewhere. Yes. Spiritism is a form of mysticism. It's derived from the, some, some of the Eastern religions, and it's a mixture of the Eastern religions and the New Age movement. Uh-huh. All right, so Eddie was involved in various forms of occultism, including spiritism. Just to give you a little bit more information about that, it's also where they pray to spirits, they try to conjure up spirits. It's very mystical, very, um, I would even go as far as to say many times it can become very demonic. Um, it's, very, um, it's very dark. That, that, you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying dark? It's very um, dangerous is what, probably a good way of putting it. All right, E. There are about 100,000 people affiliated with Christian science. Now, again, this, that number has most likely increased. So this isn't the 1.2 billion of Islam. It's not the, the billion of, of what we'd say broad Christianity. Um, but it is growing, all right? So let's dive into a few questions here. Again, what three things do all cults have in common? They add or take away from the Bible. Very good. What's another one? Multiply the requirements for salvation. What's another one? They take away from the fact that Jesus is God. They take away from the fact that Jesus is God. So as we're going through these, those are the questions we're asking. How do they take away from, how do they add or take away from the Bible? How do they multiply the requirements for salvation? How do they take away from the fact that Jesus is God? That's, that's the core doctrinal things that we want to examine. So how does Christian science add or take away from the Bible? A, they accept the Bible, but for its hidden meanings. Right? In, in, in their idea, there are hidden meanings in Scripture. So if you ask someone with, affiliated with Christian science, do you believe the Bible? They're going to say, well, we value the Bible, we use the Bible, but you know, it's not so much about the, even the moral teachings. They're, 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 it's very mystic. There's a lot of hidden meanings that they try to uncover. All right, next. 
they have what they call the Christian Science Journal and Science and Health with Keys to the Scriptures, which they say are both more reliable than the Bible. Eddie viewed this book as from God, and she was the scribe, is what she said. The Christian Science Journal, which they have, and then the Science and Health with Keys to Scriptures. Eddie will say, this book is from God, I was simply the scribe. What are they claiming about that book? It's divine, inspired, right? They would say what we say about the Bible, they would say the exact same thing about their book. So again, here's what you have to be careful of. They do not blatantly reject Scripture. They do not say, you know what, you stay away from that, you just use this book. What they say is, yeah, we value Scripture. There's all kinds of hidden meanings, and it can be helpful, and it can be interesting. But even more important than that, let me tell you about a couple other things that we have. Do you see how they add or take away from the Bible? So in a way, they take away from the plain meaning of Scripture. They take away from the truth of Scripture. They take away from the doctrine of Scripture. But then they also add in their own writings, which they say is more trustworthy, more reliable than the Bible. All right. So that's how they add or take away from the Bible. Number three, how does Christian science multiply the requirements for salvation? Here's what they're saying. This is some of their belief system. Number one, sin is an illusion you can conquer with correct thinking. Christian science, as one person told me before the service, is neither Christian nor science. Um, But they borderline on religious, and they have some scientific and health things that they try to all incorporate together. But one of the things they say is sin is an illusion you can conquer with correct thinking. Wouldn't that be nice? Y'all just need to change your thinking and sin will be gone. Who wants to go first? Who wants to sign up? Class on Tuesday night. Wishful thinking. But that's one of the things they say is, you know what? Sin is not inherent in who we are. See, we believe what is referred to as original sin. Or we would say that there is this sin that has been passed to us. Or as Romans, as Paul says in Romans, when Adam sinned, what did we do? We sinned. Okay, we are guilty, all right? So we have both sin that we commit by choice, but also we have this sin that is a part of our nature. That is the reason why you do not have to teach babies and toddlers to sin. They figure it out. Why? They're born with it. You have to teach them to do right, not to do wrong. I told the story when Nathan was a baby. I think I've already told you all this, but when he was a baby, we saw very early on, we had, we had a VCR. You, you, you know what a VCR is? All right. Um, we had a VCR, and it was on the ground level, and when he was real small, we'd lay him in the middle of the floor, and he would roll over to the VCR and stick his hand in it. And he would just then start trying to grab stuff. And so I would slap his hand, say no, but if we went back over to the middle of the floor, And he would start rolling back over. Except the second time when he got over to it, he reached out his hand, looked up at me, pulled it back, stared me down, and then stuck it in. Just like his mom would have been. Y'all believe that, right? You don't have to teach people to sin. It's, it's, It's our nature. It's who we are. I mean, David said that in sin... I was conceived. And what he's saying in that is that I was born with this sin nature. Um, That's not what they teach. They say that sin is an illusion you can conquer with correct thinking. Number two, 
salvation is obtained when you stop believing in sin, sickness, and death. So again, we believe in the reality of sin. Sin is something we commit. Sin is something that we are. It's who we are. Therefore, we need a Savior to provide salvation. They think that sin is an illusion that you can conquer with correct thinking, and that salvation is obtained when you stop believing in sin, sickness, and death. So change your thinking, and you can have salvation. Change the way you think, and you can have salvation. Hunter. Well, not so much. It's something that can be conquered with correct thinking. So sin is an illusion. Sickness, if you're sick, you are thinking incorrectly. One of the reasons why Christian science, it went through a period in the early 1900s or mid-1900s where it declined. And one of the reasons why it declined is because in their book, um, they give ways that you are to deal with sickness apart from modern um, medicine, let's say. And they had a huge, they had some high-profile deaths of children that really um, hurt their credibility, so to speak. And they took a big downward turn. And it wasn't until really the celebrities kind of started talking it up again that it began to grow. So they would say, you know, sickness is all because of wrong thinking, and so here's how you fix that. You don't need to go to the doctors. Here's how you fix that. Um, yes, Right. And, and I've, seen, I, I've seen some of those reading rooms where they gather together, they read, they study, supposedly worship. Um, really? One on King Street. I didn't know that. How do you know that? I'm just kidding. Has a friend. Let me give you number three. Here's what they say about the sacrifice of Christ. One sacrifice, however great, is insufficient to pay the debt of sin. So sin is an illusion you, you can conquer with correct thinking. And even if sin was real, here's what they would say, even if sin was a reality, one death would be insufficient to cover or to pay the debt of sin. So basically they would look at you and say, you're crazy. Sin's an illusion. You can conquer it with correct thinking. And even if it real, was a real thing, one death would never be enough to, to pay the price for all of humanity's sin. Do you see how they, conk, they, they, they chip away at the foundation of what salvation is and why it is needed? Number four, Roman numeral four, how does Christian science take away from the fact that Jesus was God? A, they say that Jesus was a mere human to came, who came to show correct living. So they will not deny the existence of Jesus. Do they believe in Jesus? Well, what do you mean by that? Yes. Do they believe what we believe about Jesus? They would say, no, he was a human, and he came to show how you could have correct thinking so that you could conquer sin and you could have salvation. It's all by correct thinking is what they would say. B, they would say, this is pretty interesting, or I guess it's interesting. Jesus didn't actually die. He was hiding in the tomb. So did Jesus come out of the tomb? Yes. But they would say he was just in there hiding. He's a little dangerous time for him. And yeah, he just went and hid. I mean, he was just a mere human. So who wouldn't? 
I mean, you're facing crucifixion, you're facing all this other stuff. He went and hid in the tomb. And so again, correct, he was not crucified at all. He, he went and hid in a tomb, and then later he just died a normal death. So again, do they believe the Bible? Ish. They, they, they say they value it, but yet they hold the things that are not based on the teaching of Scripture. Um, in fact, I would argue that they have nothing that's really based on the teaching of Scripture. They have no creed. They have no doctrinal statement. They have no real nicely defined belief system. Um, in fact, let me go ahead and give you a few of their other uh, beliefs of Christian science. A, all things in the universe is God. Anybody know what this is called? So we have atheism, atheism, no God. We have polytheism, poly, many, theism, God. Anybody know what this one is? Oh, it's on the screen. Pantheism. Pan means what? Many or all. So it's the idea that all gods, everything is a God. i got to stop putting stuff on the screen for you guys. Make it too easy. All right, so they believe all things in the universe is God. Anybody know what Eastern religion this belief originated in? You have Taoism and Shintoism. Each of those took it from this other one. It is derived through a, a twisting of Hinduism. All right, a twisting of Hinduism. So Hinduism was, Hinduism existed before some of those other ones. And so you have these other ones that took the teaching of Hinduism and kind of made it their own. But that pantheistic, pantheism idea um, is an Eastern religion um, concept. B, the Trinity is life, truth, and love. So you go to a reading room, as they call them, and you talk to somebody who believes in Christian science. You can say, hey, we believe in the Trinity. Do you all believe in, the, in, a, in a Trinity? They're going to say, yeah, we believe in a Trinity, but it's life, truth, and love. All right, C. They would say that man is God's image likeness, so whatever is possible to God is possible to man. All right, man is what they would say God's image likeness. So do, do they believe that man is created in the image and the likeness of God, as we talked about this morning? Well, in a way, but what they do is they take it and say, you know what, if it's possible for God to do, it's possible for you to do. Wouldn't that be nice? All right, if it's possible for God, it's possible for you. D, the sinner makes his own hell by doing evil and the saint his own heaven by doing right. All right, so do they believe in heaven and hell? Well... Sort of. Do you see why it's so important through all of this? Do you see why it's so important to define terms? you see why it's so important to be sure when you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about heaven, you're talking about hell, you're talking about sin, you're talking about salvation, you have to define what you're talking about. All right, so the sinner, you make your own hell by doing evil. So when you do wrong, you are creating your own hell and you are currently living in your own hell. And the way you can live in your own heaven and create your own heaven is by doing right. So, what does that mean? One moment, you can be creating your own heaven. And the next moment, creating your own hell. Is there any security in that? Is there any hope in that? No, not at all, all right? So, that is an overview of Christian science. 
why, before we dive into the next one, here is the book I'm recommending this evening. It's called AMG's Encyclopedia of World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. And it goes through, and it has, I mean, it's a 750-page book, but it breaks down the beliefs. I'm going to read to this, some of this in a minute when we get to Scientology. But that's an overview of Christian science. Again, that book, I'll, I'll reference it again in a minute, but it's AMG's Encyclopedia of World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. All right, introduction to Scientology. Um, many people get Christian science and Scientology confused. Christian science is older, Scientology is newer, all right? A, Scientology was founded by L. Ron Hubbard in 1954. Scientology was founded by L. Ron Hubbard in 1954, so it's newer. It's probably the newest one that we've talked about, all right? B, they have 200,000 active adherents and what they would say is 8 million passive adherents. What do you think makes a, 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 an adherent active or passive? Going to the meetings. That's the thing. And donations. Two things. Going to the meetings, going to their gatherings, and giving. Now again, they have millions, if not billions of dollars, some in part because the people that associate with Scientology are very often the wealthy. Um, you have a lot of people that are well-known, that have a lot of resources. Um, I was going to see if I could find... No, I don't have it in this book. Um, you have people that boldly stand up and say, I do this. I hold to this belief system. And they give tons of money to back it up. C, their headquarters are in England. Their headquarters are in England. Well, just because their headquarters are there does not mean that they don't have a hub or a, a, a U.S. headquarters. But their worldwide headquarters are in England. D, they have about 3,200 churches in 154 countries. So here's what's interesting about this. They are newer, or it was started more recent than Christian science, but in a way, it's a little bit larger. Um, all right. Here's how we know they're growing. E, 10 years ago, they had 126 missions, what they call their church, in 58 countries, Today, there are 221 missions in 107 countries. All right, so in the past 10 years, they've gone from 126 churches, what we'll call them, or missions, to today, 221. And um, 10 years ago, they existed in 58 countries. Today, they exist in 107 countries. Growth. Why do you think religions flourish in, in, let's say like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, some of these religions, why do you think they flourish in many third world or impoverished countries? All right, sometimes everybody wants something to believe in. Amber? All right, they start what they call missions in those countries and they meet needs that exist. What else? You know, a lot of times in these countries, especially in impoverished countries, if you stand someone up who is known to be wealthy, famous, supposedly have it all together, and you say, you know what, this person believes in Scientology, 
What's that going to do for everyone else that sees that? You know what? They believe in Scientology and they've been blessed, if we want to use that term. Maybe if I believe in Scientology, I will be blessed. A lot of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that we see a little bit in the United States, or we see a lot in the United States, it is booming in third world countries because everyone is looking for a way to get out of their current material or physical state, and they are drawn to something that says, if you believe this, you will be blessed, like so-and-so. Um, and so it's very easy for some of these religions to grow in some of these other countries. F, they have a creed. What is a creed? Something they believe. Or more specifically, though, it's written. It's stated. Let me read to you some of their creed. You were, you were just hoping I would do that, weren't you? I won't read all of it. Don't worry. We, the church, believe. Okay, this is the creed of the Church of Scientology. We, the church, believe. And then they have several bullet points. That all men of whatever whatever race, color, or creed were created with equal rights. That all men have inalienable rights to their own religious practice and their performance. That all men have inalienable rights to their own lives. That all men have inalienable rights to their sanity. That all men have inalienable rights to their own defense. And he goes on. Let me skip. And we of the church believe that man is basically good. That he is seeking to survive, that his survival depends on himself and upon his fellows and his attainment of brotherhood with the universe. We, the church, believe that the laws of God forbid man to destroy his own kind, to destroy the sanity of another, to destroy or enslave another soul. Um, In Scientology, God can be whoever you want him to be. This is some of their beliefs. Uh, Jesus is the great teacher. He he is... uh, let me go on see if there's anything else. What, what do you notice when you, when you hear some of these things? All right. A lot of it is, sounds political, right? Um, all men are of whatever race, color, creed were created with equal rights, that all men have inalienable rights to their own religious practices and their performance. And it goes all the way down. And all men have inalienable rights to uh, assist and support their own organizations, churches, and governments. I mean, it sounds somewhat political. What else do you notice? Say what? Okay, yeah. A lot of universalist. I mean, is there anything that you read in this that is divisive? Or that would say, you know what? Um, I mean, the only thing that I would say that we read in this so far that says, you know what, that doesn't sound right. They, they would say man is basically good. What do we believe? Y'all are a bunch of sinners is what we believe, right? We all are. I mean, doesn't the Bible teach that? For all have sinned. Um, There is none righteous, none good, not even even one. I mean, that's not really, everything else you read in this is just very, um, very political, very social, very, you know what, anybody can believe most of this and not have any problems. The, the issue is, is that once you start getting into this, what they mean by that is pretty, pretty interesting. So let's look at some of their more specific beliefs. How does Scientology add or take away from the Bible? A, the Bible is a byproduct, here's what they say, the Bible is a byproduct of Hindu scriptures, and is one of many books that record humanity's search for truth. So here's basically what they would say. The Bible is a search for truth. What would we say about the Bible? It 
is truth. Is there a difference between saying the Bible is truth and the Bible contains the search for truth? Huge difference. Why? Just because you're on a search for truth doesn't necessarily guarantee that you found it. See, we would say, no, the Bible is not a search for truth. The Bible is the presentation of truth. And not just the presentation of truth. It is in itself truth. All right, B. They would say that Hubbard's writings are considered to be the final authority, especially he wrote a couple things. Um, or the main one is Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health. Doesn't that sound exhilarating? Yep. It does sound a lot like a, a textbook. Good question. The Dianetics. Anybody know what Dianetics is? <laughs> yeah, it's the modern science of mental health. I was going to see if they had anything in here specifically about that. Um, it is scientific. Uh, 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 yeah, Scientology teaches there are eight dynamics. Uh, it's just their belief. It's their science-driven beliefs. Yeah, I mean, it's, what they're doing is, is, again, a lot like Christian science, they have an arm or a, a core to this that is, that is science, which, what about that is concerning? And we all had science in school. What is concerning about when the core of your belief system is driven, supposedly, by science? All right, it's driven, it's driven, it's driven or derived from man. Why is that bad? Do we have complete understanding? That's an easy one. No, we don't have complete understanding. All right, Um, how does Scientology multiply the requirements for salvation? One, man is basically good in his evolution and in his and in his evolution, he will become godlike. Is there any aspects of truth to this? Okay. So we strive for Christ likeness. Is that the same thing, though, as becoming godlike? How is it different? I mean, should we strive to become more like Christ? Absolutely, we should strive to become like Christ. What do they mean, do you think, when it says you will become godlike? All right, power, authority, what else? Knowledge, have that complete knowledge. Okay. Okay. Again, it begins, though, with the problem, is man basically good? No, absolutely not. All right, number two, humans are trapped in material bodies and need to be released from this state so they can achieve the original godlike state. All right, humans are trapped in their material bodies and need to be released from this state so they can achieve their original godlike state. Um, What other religion have we talked about that has a similar idea with this? Do you remember? 
Say what? Mormonism was one of the main ones. What else? I heard it. Hinduism, a lot of Eastern Hinduism, Buddhism, um, this idea of becoming one with God. All right, number three, man's problems can be traced to our former lives, not sin. All right, so what red flag goes up in your mind when you, when you hear that? Former lives. So, it, so just hearing that, what do you think they might believe in? Reincarnation. All right, good. All right, um, let's keep going. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment. How does Scientology take away from the fact that Jesus was God? Here's what they say. Christ was a legend who is no greater than Buddha or Moses. Christ was a legend who is no greater than Buddha or Moses. You notice how in a lot of their writings, what do they keep referencing? They, they, they have a, it's interesting. They have this one arm that sounds very Christian, but they have another arm that ties them back to the Eastern religions. All right? I mean, they all, I mean, what, what do they say about the Bible? I mean, we, we had it there. All right, where did it come from? Hindu scriptures. Now they're looking at Christ and saying he's no greater than who? Buddha. They, they keep referencing back to these Eastern religions. B, they define the term Messiah as one who brings wisdom. The Messiah is one who brings wisdom. Was the Messiah wise? Was Jesus wise? Yeah, did, did, he, did he provide wisdom? Yes. Um, do they believe in the Messiah? Kind of, you like those trick questions, don't you? Well, they would use the term Messiah, but again, they would say the Messiah is one who brings wisdom, not one who brings salvation, not one who came as a sacrifice. C. Hebrew. Well, again, they don't have a scripture where they would look at translation in Hebrew and Greek. Remember, remember it didn't start till 1954. So it's just kind of that they, they, they. Right. I think it's. Well, I think what they are doing is not just looking at the translation of the word Messiah. I think what they are trying to do is to make themselves sound more Christian. I mean, all of these religions we're talking about, they use all kinds of Christian words. I mean, Christian science that we just looked at, did they use the word Trinity? What was it? Truth, love, and something, right? All right, so I, I think, Amber, what they're doing is, I don't think they care about any original meaning. I think what they're trying to do is make themselves sound more Christian by using Christian terminology. All right, Jason. This is another reason why we need to know what we believe so that we need to learn what they believe so we can understand the deception that is there. Because yeah. many people will be deceived because to use Christian terminology is to assume you're a Christian. Uh, so it's important to know what your scripture I mean, it's just like Hindu. I mean, notice what it says. Look back up. The Bible is a byproduct of Hindu what? Hindu scriptures. What, do we ever refer to the Bible as scripture? I probably used that term this morning. All right? So if you ask us some, if someone talks about, yeah, I was reading the scriptures early today. Now, what automatically comes in our mind? The Bible. Is that necessarily what's being talked about? You know, I was just thinking about the Messiah. 
Well, we mean something, they're going to mean something else. Let me give you a C. Jesus was nothing more than a great teacher. The problem with that is that phrase, nothing more. Was Jesus a great teacher? Absolutely. But he was so much more than just a great teacher. Let me give you a few other Scientology beliefs. A, God may or may not exist. Each person must decide for himself or herself. He can be, if God does exist, he can be whatever you want him to be. That's a lot, all kinds of definite belief right there, isn't it? What do you say? Just crazy. There you go. They believe, B, this goes back to something we are talking a minute ago, they believe in what they call the rebirth, which is actually just another form of reincarnation. Just another form. So earlier when I said that how things can be traced back, man's problems can be traced back to their former lives, not to sin, here's, here's how they do that. Again, where does the idea of reincarnation originate? A lot of these Eastern religions, right? Remember the wheel of life or the cycle of life? How, how you come back in the next life is going to be completely determined by how you live this life? They're basically saying the same thing. The problems that you're enduring right now is, can be traced back to your former life when you did not do right, and so now you're suffering the consequences. So if you ever wake up and you have a bad day and your tire goes flat on the way to work and you have sickness and you lose your job, you know what they're going to tell you? Your previous life, you must have done something really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to know, I mean, do we believe that we are born again? Well, we believe the same thing. Do, 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 do we often talk about our former lives? You're a new creation. I mean, Paul talks about things he did in his former life before meeting Christ. All right. Again, it goes back to Jason, what you said just a moment ago. And Amber, that is a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Even some of our terminology that we just take for granted to someone who does not understand the, the, the Scriptures or someone who doesn't understand Christianity, un, doesn't understand correct what we would call correct doctrine, we have to be sure that we even explain what we mean. I mean, do you remember the story in John? Can a man, how can a man be born again? Right? And Jesus goes through, and the author goes through and explains how, how, what he means by a spiritual birth. Um, so we have to be careful, and Amber, I think this is your point, we have to be careful that we just don't throw around these Christian ideas and this Christian terminology, but never explain what we mean. Do you see how someone could be studying Scientology, someone could be studying Hinduism, and they could hear you talk about rebirth, the old being made new, your new life, and be like, What's the difference in all this? So we have to be sure that we explain what we mean um, when we use terms. That's a very good point. All right? C, they reject the existence of heaven and hell. It's not needed. Why is it not needed? Yeah, you're going to be born again, and you, it, it's, just, it's just this cycle of life. All right? The, the thing to remember with Christian science and Scientology is that there is a strong connection to the Eastern religions. 
Um, what, what are some of the Eastern religions again? Hinduism, Buddhism. Let me read you a few other ones. If I can find them here really quickly. Um, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Sikhism, Taoism, Jainism, Confucianism, Bai, Shintoism. I mean, we could go on and on. With, aren't you glad we're not doing all these? And don't ask me what they all believe because I'd have to just open this and start reading. Um, but you see how, I mean, there's just religion after religion after religion. We've just scratched the surface of some of these religions. But the reason why it's important to understand the foundation of the world religions, what are the world, what we'd say are some of the major world religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, the four major world religions, is because many of the other religious systems or belief systems or cults derive a lot of their ideas and their teachings from these. So where does Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness get some of their teachings? Christianity, all right? So again, Pretty interesting how all of this kind of works, but um, I think maybe the lesson after thinking about it and listening to this, a lot of the comments tonight, the, the thing that we have to remember is we have to define our terms. We have to explain what we mean when we say things. Don't just assume, and here's how culture has changed. I think probably in the 60s and 70s, you could just throw out a term like, I've been born again. And the average person that you would meet on the street would understand what you meant. Why? Because there was this common worldview that was shared. A worldview that basically said, we believe in the existence of God. We believe the Bible is valuable and trustworthy. Even if they didn't believe everything in it, it's valuable and trustworthy. And we believe that Jesus existed. There was a common worldview that centered around those things. And even people who didn't necessarily believe everything... um, it was popular to go to church and be around other Christians. It was, it was the culture. It was the worldview. Today, it's no longer like that. I mean, I hear sometimes people say we live in a Christian nation. Wrong. Wrong. This is not a Christian nation. I mean, at best, we, uh, our, our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian values, but we can no longer say we're a Christian nation. I mean, less than 30% of all people in the United States attend church, and that's cults, world religions, doesn't matter what it is. If you zoom that into biblical Christianity, it is a small percentage. There are now more missionaries coming to the U.S. from other countries than the U.S. is sending out. Other countries are looking at Americans, and we got to send missionaries. They're in trouble. More missionaries are being sent here than we are sending out to other places. Why? Well, this worldview that once existed where you could use these Christian ideas and these Christian terminology is gone to the place where now you can no longer assume that people believe in God. You can no longer assume that people believe in th- that the Bible is reliable, trustworthy, and that you can no longer assume that people believe that Jesus is who the Bible said he was. You've got to start at a completely different place. So now when you say, hey, I've been born again 30, 40 years ago, that meant something. Today, people look at you like you're crazy. Try it. Go into work tomorrow and tell somebody, let me tell you something. I've been born again. You'll try it tomorrow? I'm, I won't listen to you. <laughs> I mean, do you understand how culture has shifted, how culture has changed? So as a result, instead of setting back, pointing our face, cursing at the culture, what we have to do is continue to hold the truth, but then adjust how we communicate that truth in order for it to be understood. 
by the culture. And that's the challenge, and that's what we all have to continue to work on. All right? On that note, I'm going to ask Jason if you... Yes, Howard. The consequences for actions. So if you do evil and you go to jail, you've created your own hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't that be nice? No, not, not, the, not, not the way that we would. It, not the way that we do. Yeah, for, for Christian science, no. And, and in fact, they, their whole idea is your punishment is lived out in this earth and your reward is lived out in this earth. And so if you've been really good, I mean, you know John Travolta? You've heard of him? You don't know? Well, yeah, he, he, um, they would say, you know what? He is living in his own heaven because he has given so much money to help people and he has d- donated so much. And I mean, it, you know what? If you give us money like he does, you'll, you'll, you'll be like him. You, you create your own heaven, you create your own hell. Um, there's a lot more we could say, a lot more we could dive into this evening, but I think that gives you at least an overview of, of these two different uh, belief systems. Jason, close us in a word of prayer.